0: saints, I hope you all had a a blessed Thanksgiving with your families. You know, last Sunday, Adam did such a wonderful job going through 1 Corinthians 7. We've been going through 1 Corinthians on Wednesday night. I would encourage the church body, you know, if you can't make it out at times to listen to those online as we're going through. Uh, that book right now is a church. But he had a lot of verses to go through. And uh, as I was praying this week, Lord, what do you want to say to us this morning? Uh, there was one portion in that chapter, one phrase that kept going over and over and over in my mind. And just the more I prayed throughout the week, uh, God confirmed, yeah, I, I want to say this. To those that will be there and those listening online, this is for you. And for some, this is, this might be the most important message in your life. I don't say that as hype. I don't say it uh, to work anything up. Uh, it's just true. Because none of us is promised tomorrow. The time is short. And God is merciful. He's long-suffering. As we were worshiping, I was just reminded of the tremendous mercy and grace He's had on my I should have died so many times. And where would I be now? But God pursued me. He intervened in my life. He somehow got the truth into my inner parts. And when I embraced that light, I finally understood how lost I was and how there really was no hope outside of what He did on the cross for me. And when I responded to that and surrendered to that, I found out what I was made for. I was made for God. I was made to be with Him for all eternity. That everything I was searching for in this world was a substitute for something greater, for something that Only He could satisfy that longing, that craving just to be loved, just to know I have purpose, just to know life has meaning, that I just wasn't born by an accident, that we just don't go through life and just die. There's, There's a whole purpose and plan. There's a God over it all. There's a Creator who spoke it all into existence who had a purpose for it. And it's for us to know Him, to have fellowship in Him, to dwell with Him for all of eternity, and to find our joy and our peace, everything in Him. There is nothing in this world that can take the place of God. Nothing. So, you know, Paul in 1 Corinthians, he's, he's dealing with relationships in, there in chapter 7. And Adam did such a wonderful job. Yes, we we need to know biblically how to deal with relations, but the main issue, the main point is there's only one that trumps it all, and it's our relationship with God. And everything else should revolve around all our decisions, all of our plans should revolve around that relationship. Everything else is secondary. So that's what I want to look at, because he says here in verse 29, this I say, brethren, the time is short. The time is short, and we need to focus on the things that really matter. So Lord, I thank You for the Word. I thank You for truth. I thank You that You're still speaking. I thank You that the door is still open. The door to the ark is not shut yet. There is a day coming, Lord, when it's too late whether by death or whether you return. But Lord, today, you're speaking to us. Today is all that matters. This moment is all that matters in eternity for some. So God, I pray you would speak. I pray you would cause your word to do what you're wanting it to do in all of our hearts. For those that know you, so that we'll be caught up with the things that are more important. We'll understand what we were made for. We'll understand what our lives are about as we sojourn through here as pilgrims in this world. As we just pass through in a moment of time compared to eternity. Awaken us, Lord, those that know You, to that reality. So that we will better redeem our time. So that we will focus on the things that matter, Lord. And for those that don't know you, Lord. For those that are still groping. They don't understand yet. I remember what that was like. Thinking it was this. Thinking it was that. But you were there all the while behind the scenes. Willing and calling and sending people into my life, Lord. And Lord, I thank You for sparing me, and I pray You would spare souls today. I pray You would have mercy. I pray that You would reach into their hearts, Lord, and open up their understanding. I pray Your truth and the light of the Gospel would pierce their hearts. And that You would grant them repentance, that You would draw them to where their only hope lies, Lord. Not just for this life, Lord, for eternity for our eternal existence. God, make it real to us. Holy Spirit, convey to us but only again the deep things of God, the things our natural minds can't understand. Lord, let us receive what you have for us today. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I say this, brethren, 1 Corinthians 7, 29. The time is short. The time is short. The idea Paul is getting across here is that the plans, the thoughts of this life should all be formed with that thought in mind. Now for them, they had reasons to believe the time was short. A half a generation later, Jerusalem would be destroyed. The whole Roman Empire would be turned upside down. There would be civil war Chaos all over the world, persecution. And most Christians thought the world would just end because of it. But we can apply this many ways. We can just think of the world, the created world, which has only existed for thousands of years, not millions of years. Although it seems long to us, really, in the the, the the picture of eternity or in relation to eternity, even this world from the time it was created to the time it is burned up with fire and all the elements is a speck in eternity. Our life. Your life. The Bible describes it in terms of fading away, of a vapor, a flower that fades. It's here today. It's gone tomorrow. And for those of us that are getting older, that's a little more real to us, right? Three years now goes by like ten years. The more you get, I I don't get, but it seems to speed up. What about seasons? Ecclesiastes talks to everything there is a season. There's seasons in our life. And they come and they go. Like changing scenes. Seasons of grief. Seasons of joy. Seasons of prospering. Seasons of losing. And they come and go throughout life. We watched some videos at my sister's house on Thanksgiving and It was interesting watching myself 32 years ago on video. And the first thing I noticed was the lostness in my eyes, the emptiness in my face. Even others that watch it, like, wow, Jeffrey looks different. I look fine. I actually look great. I was young. (laughs) But spiritually, you could tell I was checked out. You could see them. And I, that was a very difficult time, season in our life. I was bound by drugs. I was bound. I was hopeless. I had already tried to kill myself. Driving my car into a wall, chewing drugs to just end it all because I just saw no point in going on with life. And then watching everyone else, watching my dad who's with the Lord now, and my mom, And so many people in the video that aren't here today. And I just kept thinking, wow, man, life is short. Man, I wish I could say, tell my dad how much I appreciated him. I mean, he laid his life down for us. What a blessing it was to see him give his heart to the Lord two years before he died. At my Teen Challenge graduation. I'll never forget a guy saying, your dad's at the altar. That was his moment. Two years later, he had a massive heart attack. No time to make a decision. 59 years old. I'll be 59 in April. Makes you think. Time is short. Time is short. So he goes on, so that from now on, in light of this, those who have wives should be as though they had none. Does that mean, well, I, was, well, I, was, I know we're married, but just forget you. Know, you're out of my mind, out of my thoughts. That's not what he's saying. <laughs> we should just be as faithful to God in every respect as if we had no wife. In other words, there should be nothing that trumps God in our life. There should be nothing, no relationship, even our spouse that would draw me away from the most important relationship in my life, and that's my relationship to God. Nothing should come before Him. How many suffer these earthly objects of attachment that alienate their minds from God and the things of eternity? Rather than making them, they should make them the more to get us to press into God, knowing I have a responsibility to my wife to wash her with the water of the word to be an example to her, to love her as Christ has loved me, to bring up my children in the way of the Lord. If anything, it should press me into God, knowing I have a responsibility to my family and my wife. Because eternity hangs in the balance. Because time is short, I don't know how much longer I have with them. So that should be my priority. We should look on all of our earthly ties, soon to be broken. As I was studying this, um, she probably didn't know what was going on, but I came home. You know, when God gives me a message, it just floods you. You just get flooded with Scripture, and God, the Holy Spirit, begins to speak to you when He lays a word on your heart. And this was so real to me, and I got home, and I said... I need to tell Rose how much I love her. I need to tell Rose how much I appreciate her. I'm so glad God brought her into my life. I don't want to go to bed tonight and die in my sleep and her not know that. It changes how we think, how we see things, how we treat people. Because it's temporary. We don't know if they'll be there tomorrow. So, there's only one relationship that will matter in the, in the end, that's our relationship with God. How would that change, again, our priorities, our decisions in leading our homes? What would happen if we made our relationship with God, the things of eternity, the kingdom of God, more important than our temporary lives? Again, how would we approach marriage and our kids? I've, I've heard uh, terms like, oh, I want my kid to go to college. I want them to succeed because, you know, if you go to college, you're going to succeed in life. Nothing wrong with that. But the goal is to glorify God. You know, so why do I tell my son to study or my daughter to study so they'll be successful in this world? No, so they do all things for the glory of God. That they do their best to glorify God. So that's why they study, because it'll glorify God. Not because they will be a success in this world, although it might help with that, but that's not the ultimate goal in life. The ultimate goal in life is to glorify God. With everything we do. And that's what we should be teaching our children. He goes on verse 30, Those who weep as though they did not weep. Believers are going to experience grief. Believers are going to experience sorrow. It's part of living in a fallen world. It's part of knowing time is short. Knowing when I, I watched the video with my father, I wept. I missed my dad. I still miss him. But it doesn't overtake me. It does, I don't walk around controlled by it because I have a living hope. I know the end of the matter. Believers can restrain our grief by the hope of the life to come. It's just part of life. 1 Peter 1 encourages us to focus on that living hope when it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope. I could not endure one hour without the reality of that every moment being real to me. When I read the news, when I see what's happening in the world, when you see all the sorrow, when you experience grief, that is our anchor. I have a hope. I understand this is not it. I understand I'm heading somewhere. I understand that this life is just a shadow of something better for those who know Christ. If you don't know Christ, it's something much worse than you're experiencing here on earth. So much worse that words cannot even describe it. Because there's still some semblance of God in this world. There is no God in hell. It's utter darkness and despair for all eternity. God understands that. That's why He sent His Son. That's why He was willing to die for us. That's why He took our sins. He understands The reality of this short time on earth, but yet the greater reality of eternity and the value of a soul. Your soul meant that much to God that He died to to spare you an eternity lost without Him. So we're going to weep, but we have a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. An inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, that doesn't fade away. It's not like the things of this world. It's preserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be, re- be revealed in the last time. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. In this you greatly rejoice. Although, for now, for a little while, if need be, you are grieved. By various trials. They're going to come. But even in the trials, even in the grief, you can rejoice. I had a dear friend commit suicide. He was like a brother to me. I found out in the middle of a conference. But I remember that Sunday morning, the Holy Spirit prompted me to dance and praise the Lord in front of the church before I spoke. It was an act of faith. And God met me in that. I didn't understand it. I just knew it was right to praise the Lord in spite of my grief and even not understanding what had happened. But knowing He's still good, He's still merciful, He's still worthy of my praise. If need be, you've been grieved by various trials that the genuineness of your faith be much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. I answered a, a call to someone that was trying to get an application to our counseling center, and I was totally taken off guard because I called the lady. At a moment... When she just found out, her husband just called her and had walked in on the nephew who was dead, died in his sleep. Just came here, just getting him set up, whatever. Husband went over to check on him. Young guy, dead, died in his sleep. And she just found out. I couldn't even talk to her. She was totally undone. All she could say was, please pray for me. Please pray for me. My husband just found my nephew daddy dying in his sleep. Please, and she was just out of control. And all I did was pray for her and join in as best as I could with her in that grief. Just went over to see how he was doing. Died in his sleep. Time is short. There's much pain and sorrow in this life. We have to look forward. We have to get our eyes on eternity. Revelation twenty one four promises us God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There'll be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying, no more pain, for the former things have passed away. I groaned for that. That's the groaning talked about in Romans eight. All creation is groaning. When, Lord, when? When are you going to make everything right? Because it's groaning under the curse, just like we groan under the curse of this world. And it's getting worse and worse because the world is getting more evil because God's plan is unfolding in the earth. What's happening in the earth is exactly what we were told would happen. So there's this groaning and the birth pains are getting closer and closer and more intense. When, Jesus? When? Come, Lord Jesus. Come. Make it all right. God, I look forward to when you do create a new heavens and new earth and you do away. and You you cast it all into the lake of fire. And no more. There's no more death. There's no more sorrow. There's no more babies being ripped out of the wombs, Lord. All the things He has to see. It's all done away with. Finally! We should groan for that. We should yearn for it. When, Lord Jesus? Come, Lord Jesus! Oh, Lord. Yes, Lord, come. Now, if a believer dies at any age, no matter how painful it is, we have to remember it's just a transition. Painful as it is. We're told in 1 Thessalonians 4.13, I don't want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as those who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, God will bring with Him those who sleep in Jesus. That's what kept me watching those videos. You know, my mom just passed uh, months ago. And I got to watch the Lord save her soul before she died. I miss her. But I know where she is. She's alive. She's in a new body. She's walking around in heaven with Jesus. Hallelujah. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of His saints. He goes on, those who rejoice as though they did not. So are you prospering? Are you enjoying a good time with your families? You know, I had a great time with my family and my nieces and nephews I haven't seen. So I savor that time because I know it's temporary. So cherish it while you have those times. Rejoice. But as those who don't rejoice. In other words, don't make that the end all. Don't make that what you're actually living for. Although you can rejoice in it and and be thankful for those times, remember, it's temporary. Because if you put all your hope, all your satisfaction, all your happiness in that, your faith will be shipwrecked when it's taken away because your hope is in the wrong place. That's how... You die in faith. You looking at the right thing like the hearers of faith. They had their eyes on the right thing. So rejoice. Rejoice. But also remember, in view, keep, always keep in view that these things will soon come to an end. Our houses, our lands, our stocks, our bo- bonds our mortgages, our goods, our stuff will all pass into someone else's hands one day. We should be seeking to secure a treasure in the world to come where there is no thief that approaches, where no moth corrupts, because what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? What profit is it? Jesus said in Luke 12, verse 15, Take heed, beware of covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of things he possesses. And then he spoke a parable, saying, The ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully. He thought within himself, saying, What am I going to do? I'm I'm doing good. Life is good. What am I going to do? What shall I do since I have no room to store my crops? So he said, I'm going to do this. I'm going to pull my barns out. I'm going to build greater barns. And there I'm going to store all my crops and goods. And then I'm going to say to my soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. I always think of that when I see those signs. There's one down in covering. Eat, drink, be merry, you know. This is what it's all about. you got plenty of time. Party it up! But God said, You fool. That is not good. Look at the end of a fool in the Bible. Just go through Proverbs. It's never good. So, when God looks at your life and how you're leading it and the decisions you're making and what you're focused on, and He says, Son, daughter, the way you're living your life, you're a fool. That's not good. It's not good. Why? This night your soul will be required of you. Then whose things will all this stuff be that you are putting all your hopes in? Then whose is that going to be? So, so um, this night your soul will be required. Then whose will these things be which you have provided? So is He who lays up treasure for Himself. And is not rich towards God. Jesus said, seek ye the kingdom of God further down. Don't worry about all the stuff the unsaved go after. God will take care of you. Don't make that your ultimate pursuit in life. Because he said in verse 34, where your treasure is, that's where your heart's going to be. That's where your heart's going to be. So he says, let your waist be girded. This, As believers, this should be our mindset. Let your waist be girded. Let your lamps be burning. Let yourselves be like men who are waiting for their Master. So that when He returns from the wedding, when He comes, when He knocks, you're there, you're ready, you're right at the door, and you open it. I've been waiting for you, Jesus. I've been longing for you. I've been groaning for you. You're here, finally. That should be in the heart of a believer. A bride waiting, waiting, waiting. When, Jesus? When? The, the whole idea of letting your waist be girded alludes to the ancient dress they had back there, these long robes, you know, and they'd have to take that that. Thing and that outer garment and, and gird it up around their waist so they could work, so they could walk, so they could run. It's a picture of getting the hindrances out of your life, not letting the, the things of this life entangle you, encumber you, to where you can't walk and run the race God has set before you. Let your waist be girded. Keep your light burning. Be ready at all times to leave this world. Be ready. Be like the servant, ready for the coming of the Lord. If in the night they were expecting Him, they kept their lights trimmed. They kept their lamp burning. When their master was away, they knew not the hour when He would return. They would be continually ready, so we, as we know not the hour when God shall call us, should always be ready to die or meet Him in the rapture. If the master of the house would have known... The in the illustration there is a constant state of preparation and readiness. What if you knew? Tonight, Tonight, I thought of Jeff when I was studying this. I don't know why. I think it's the police gun thing. Um, what if you knew, Jeff? This is going to be all over the internet. Tonight, a thief is going to break into your house. What would you do? Just go to bed and not worry about it? Uh, my, the picture I got in my mind was Jeff sitting in a chair with his gun all night. <laughs> what would you do if you knew that? It was definitely going to happen. You would be alert. What would you be if you went to bed and paid no money to it? You'd be a fool. That's not what would be wise, right? You'd be a foolish servant. In Romans 13, Paul warned the Christians, wake up, stop living in denial about the fact that some of them were actually sleeping spiritually. He wrote, do this knowing now that, that time—it's it's high time to wake out of sleep for now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. Man, how much more can I say that now? All right, he goes on here in verse 31. Now, those who use the world don't misuse it, for the form of this world is passing away. Jesus left us in the world. There's practical things to that. You have families, you've got to work, you've got to feed your families, you've got to um, support the kingdom of God, you've got to provide. There's things in this world, I I use computers, I have all kinds of things I use that this world has that just we need to do for life. So use them, but don't misuse them. Let it stay in its rightful perspective. Don't let it own you. You possess things, don't let them possess you. He says in there as well. Why? The form of this world is passing away. And I'm going to end with this thought. This is the whole thought God wants us to stay with this morning. The form of this world is passing away, meaning everything is temporary. Time is short. That whole idea, the picture of that, is, is like a stage where... You have different scenes and different players and actors come in for different scenes. They come in, they exit, and they're changing the scenery of the stage. That's the picture that gives. The world is passing away. It's just changing scenes. Moment by moment. And there's actors. And they have their exits. They have their entrances. And it all passes away like a shadow or a dream. Even civilizations. Civilizations. We've traveled. We've been to Israel. I've been to Jordan. And you walking over where there was once a civilization. It's all underground now. But there were beautiful buildings. There was whole civilizations that are gone now. The scene has changed. It's forgotten. It's history. We'll be gone. America won't be here forever. Guess what? <laughs> Maybe not soon. I don't know. You know, there's 20 things right now pending behind the scenes that if one of them happens, it's all over with. Whether it's the economy, whether it's nuclear, whether it's illness, there's 20 things right now in the world that that are going on right now. And if one of them happens, everything changes in a minute. Massive death, chaos, all of our money gone, everything changing in a minute. 20 things right now hanging in the balance. Lord, help us to be spiritually awake. Help us, Lord. Help us to get our spiritual focus where it needs to be, especially in these days we are living. God, remind us how brief our time is on earth. Remind us, Lord, that our days are numbered, that our life is passing away. God, help us. You know, we all pray for a long life, right? Nothing wrong with that. We all take all kinds of things do all kinds of things. Why? So we'll live longer. We, we make so much focus on trying to live as long as we can. But you're going to die one day. I was watching Steve Hill last night. And he's talking about faceless. He's like, yeah, let's see that? And they pull your face off and they stretch it. This 74-year-old lady, and now she looks thirty. But guess what? She's still a 74-year-old lady, and she's going to die. Doesn't matter what you do. It's true. We do all kinds of things. We're afraid to get old. Man, we, I'm looking forward to it. I don't want to go back. I don't want to do that again. No way. I used to think that way because if this is all you're clinging to, the, the, the reality starts setting in. We don't want to deal with that. He had a, a, an hourglass on his pulpit as a picture of our life. He said, you know what some of you do? You see the clock running out and you put a blanket. I don't want to deal with that. I don't want to think about that. And so we hurry ourselves, we busy ourselves, we we get into the world so we don't have to think about it. We take drugs, we do whatever whatever we got to do to not think about it. But it's there, it's not going away, and it's going to happen one day. And God in His mercy pursues you. God in His mercy does everything He can to wake you up before it's too late. He did it for me. Just those of you that understand what I'm talking about, you think about how God woke you up. Aren't you glad? (laughs) Praise the Lord! Thank you, God! Thank you! Because now I understand what you saved me from. Well, shouldn't that compel us to spend our lives compelling others? Shouldn't that make our lives here a living sacrifice, just like Jesus? Why did He do that? Why did God do that for souls? Because He understands the value of a soul. More than we do. But if we understand, first of all, the value He placed on our soul, we would be willing to lay our lives down, to forsake our lives in this world for however much time we have here for the sake of others. Because God is long-suffering. He doesn't want anyone to perish. He desires that all would come to repentance. And we should be compelling them to come in. So, what do we do with this? Well, Billy Graham said this. Live each day as if it were your last, for someday it will be. Live your day like it's your last. Because one day, it's going to be. I want that to go into you right now. Today's your last day. What are you going to say to people? How are you going to treat them? What about your family? What about your wife? What about your kids? Your husband? What about your neighbors? How's that going to affect your decisions? How's it going to affect as you're looking forward in life? Well, that makes me want to focus on that relationship that's the most important. So that's the first thing we need to do, is continually stay in our first love. Or if you've lost it, get back to it. Make your relationship with God the most important thing in your life, because that's all that is going to go into eternity with you. I'm going through a book on fasting and prayer. And I I think as a church, we're going to be looking at this topic of fasting and prayer. God's been bringing it in many different ways. I want to read you something uh, this lady says. Her name's uh, Stephanie Hodges. Picture what a healthy marriage looks like for a minute and how you would describe it. How strong will the relationship be if the couple only interacts on a group date or a few times a month? Or if conversations only happen while driving in the car, doing dishes in the kitchen. For some of us, this is what our relationship with God looks like. It starts and ends with going to church on Sunday. Maybe we listen to a podcast in the car. We tag our praying and devotional time onto other activities like chores or working out. But to develop an intimate relationship, there is no substitute for quality time and undivided attention. This is true for relationships with others and with God. Our relationship with God has to be cultivated. And she used the illustration of our world now and, you know, the devil has been a good, done a good job in getting us busy. Um, when you, she relates back to Jesus' time, even over a hundred years ago for the Industrial Revolution. It was a lot slower So the picture is picture Jesus with his disciples. When they had to go somewhere, how'd they get there? They walked. They had time. They talked. They asked questions. They spent time together. Everything was so much slower. At night, what'd you do at night? Sleep, yes, of course. (laughs) But you didn't have TV. You couldn't put the radio on. You couldn't get on the internet. You didn't even multiply have books or anything. What'd you do? Maybe you just sat and stared at the stars like David as he was tending the sheep and contemplated the wonder of God and the heavens that declare His glory. And they just took time to take that in. Do, how, how often do we do that? We're too busy. We've got to slow down. You've got to slow down, people. You've got to get at the feet of Jesus. You've got to start getting your focus on those things above. You need to set your mind on the things above. We're told that in Scripture. We need to be diligently pursuing God's purpose for our lives. We can't waste any more time. Oh, tomorrow. Oh, when this is done. No, God has a plan. God has works that were prepared beforehand for you. He's not waiting for you to be perfect. He's waiting for you to be available. Last but not least, have a concern for souls. And if you're intimate with God, you're going to have His heart. This will come naturally. Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the Gospel to every creature, uh, creature. Or... Theme verse, right, for this church is the Spirit of the Lord is upon us. He's anointed us to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent us to heal the brokenhearted. He has uh, caused us to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. That is our mission while we are here. Don't be so engrossed in the affairs of life that you don't get involved in kingdom service, especially soul winning. So, in conclusion, none of us knows when that day is going to come. When death will come, or the rapture. (laughs) I don't know if one's more looming than the other. I don't know. But let's see every day as a gift from God to be lived for His glory. Those of us that know Him, let's see it as a gift to live for His glory. What are we going to hear at the end of our journey? What will Jesus say concerning us when we stand before Him? Well done, my good and faithful service. Oh, why did you hide what I gave you in the ground? Depart from me. I don't know you. You live for this world. You live for yourself. I don't know you. There were people dying around you. I had people I wanted you to share me with. And you were all caught up in your life in this world. You did your own thing. The Gospel is what matters. That's all that matters. I read a story... This is. Uh, I'm trying to help you guys understand me a little bit. I know sometimes I feel morbid in a way, but it's because I'm constantly in the reality that people are dying and going to hell. It, it torments me. And when I read the news, there's one story in the news that has just been in my mind all week. Four college students, 20, 21 years old, beautiful kids, They're out one night, they're having a good time, their whole life before them. They go home, they go to bed, and in their sleep, they're murdered. And they wake up in eternity. And if they don't know the Lord, which is doubtful from what I read and saw, they woke up in a nightmare. A nightmare that is unimaginable, and they realize. This is reality. This is not a dream. This is going to be my existence forever and ever. And that's the wails. That's the crying that goes on in hell. The reality. Reality is set in. I chose fleeting pleasures. I chose to live for myself. I ignored the truth. I rejected it. I pushed it down. I didn't want to hear it. And now it's too late. And there's no hope for me. I can't get out of here. That's the reality of hell. But the opposite is, if you know Him, if you know that you know Him, and someone murders you in your sleep, you wake up and, Jesus! Hallelujah! Finally! You know, a totally different scene. Well, God wants that for all of you. Because He loves you. And he wants you to tell people, was there anyone that knew those college students? Was there a Christian maybe in the school that maybe get was intimidated, didn't want to was afraid? They'll mock me, they'll make in front of me. I'm not saying nothing. I don't know what to say. Just share your testimony. We should be ready in and out of season to, to share the gospel. And and the reason for the hope that is in us. Because people need hope. People need hope. I read another story. A lady sent her daughter out to get some sugar. And she never returned home. She got shot in the street. She lived, thank God. But how many times? I think about that. Is this the last time I'll see Rose? Especially when I get on my motorcycle. But reality is, we're going to die from something. There's no guarantee for any of us. So, for those of us that know Him, I just want to encourage you this morning. Let God draw you more and more into that reality. But you have to spend time with Him. You have to get in the Word of God. You have to let the Word of God transform your mind. Because the world is constantly bombarding you with, this is it. So if you're spending more time feeding yourself with the world, which is saying, this is it, this is it, this is it, go for this, go for that, you're not going to be in the reality of turning. But if you're spending time with God, you're letting the word of God transform, change your thinking, you're setting your mind on the things above and, and getting to know God, know his heart and his love for people, that will begin to transform your life and how you see people. And, you know, even though it hurts and I, it causes grief in me and sorrow, the flip side is the joy of seeing people come to Christ. That's why all heaven rejoices, because of that reality. So, Lord, help us that know you to live every moment and the reality of where our true hope lies. Help us, Lord, to live today a life that is obedient and pleasing to You. Lord, help us to seek Your kingdom first. Help us to use our vessels for Your maximum glory today. Today. To share the gospel, to pray for people, to allow our light to shine through us, to help us to watch and pray, to be ready at any moment to stand before You. I'm going to end today with an altar call. Why am I giving an altar call? This is mostly for anyone that does not know God. If you died right now, you don't know where you'd go. I'm going to read an account from the Chicago Fire. This was in 1871. 1871. The Great Fire of Chicago began around 9 p.m. Sunday, October 8, 1871. This rapid spreading fire killed approximately 300 uh, individuals, left over 100,000 residents homeless. This devastating fire would greatly impact the life of American evangelist D.L. Moody. Moody had his usual Sunday evening service when the fire broke out. At the close of the service, he asked his congregation to evaluate their relationship to Christ and return next week to decide. Um, We have altar calls here because I don't know where you're at. I don't know where everyone's at in the room, but God does. God does. He thought, I'll give him a week to think about it. He didn't want to pressure them. I don't want to make people feel like I'm pressuring them. I want to give them time to think about it. While Ira Sankey was singing the closing hymn, it was drowned out by the sound of fire trucks and church bells. The warnings were already going out, just like they are now. There's warnings going out, there's sirens going off, there's a fire. But you know what the problem was? There was always fires in Chicago, so they thought, ah, it's just another fire. And that's what we do. Oh, yeah, I always hear this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mockers. Well, it was different that Sunday. To his dying day, Moody regretted delaying their decision to the following Sunday. It would be a Sunday that many of those people in that congregation would not see. Within hours, many of those who sat under Moody's words were dead. There was no way of knowing how many could have gotten their hearts made right with God had an altar call been given. There was no way of knowing how many that sat under Moody's voice that night died in the fire and were not ready to meet God. Moody would never be the same after that incident. He became very ill because of the guilt he carried. And as a dedicated soul winner, D. L. Moody took such missed opportunities very, very seriously. That's why I am the way I am. If you really want to know, because I've watched people that thought they had one day. I was a drug addict. I've watched my friends die. I watched my. Fr- I'm just going to get high one more time. My friend Joey. One more time. He got hit in the head with a baseball bat. And it was over in an instant. One more time, one more high, one more this, one more that. I got till tomorrow. Most of my friends are gone. And they're not with Jesus. And that grieves me. That grieves me. How many more? I've never dared, Moody later said, to give an audience a week to think about their salvation. If they were lost, they might rise up in the judgment against me. I've never seen that congregation since. I will never meet those people until I meet them in another world. But I want to tell you one lesson that I learned that night, which I have never forgotten, and that is this. When I preach to press Christ upon the people, then and there and try to bring them to a decision on the spot. I would rather have that right hand cut off than to give an audience a week now to decide what to do with Jesus. What value are you placing on your soul? What value are you placing on other souls? Time is short. Time is short. The psalmist said, Lord, make me to know my end and others. I'll add in there. What is the measure of my days that I might know how frail I am? Indeed, you've made my days like handbreadths. My age is nothing before you. Certainly, every man in his best state is but a vapor. Selah, think about that. Surely, every man walks about like a shadow. Surely, they busy themselves in vain. They heap up riches. They don't know who will gather them. But, Lord, what do I wait for? My hope is in you. My hope is in you. Today's your last day. Today you're going to stand before God. Are you ready? Are you ready? What profit is a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? Those who trust in their wealth and boast in the multitude of their riches, none of them can by any means redeem his brother nor give to God ransom for him for the redemption of their soul is costly. There's no other way for your soul to be saved other than what Jesus did on the cross. He paid the price for your sins. He took the penalty for your sins. And He offers it to you freely. All you have to do They say, Lord, I'm guilty. I'm a rebel. I'm wrong. I've been wrong. I know you're real, but reality is, I don't want to give my life to you. I want to do what I want to do. That's all of us. That's part of the fall. It's in all of us, it's in my heart. But He changes that. But you have to acknowledge I'm wrong. I'm guilty. I've been wrong. I've rebelled against you, God, and I need your forgiveness. I need what you did on the cross for me. And you need to repent. You need to just humble yourself and say, God, I'm wrong. Forgive me. I need cleansing. I'm tired of this. I'm tired of feeling the way I do. I'm hopeless. I'm tired of chasing this and chasing that. Help me. Have mercy on me, Jesus. He'll meet you. He'll cleanse you. He'll do things in your life you never thought imaginable. He will come and dwell inside of you. He will make you alive. Show you what you were made for. He'll give you the hope, the joy, the peace you've been looking for in all the wrong things. Don't hesitate today if God is speaking to you. Come right now to this altar. Whether you kneel on the rug, whatever you want to do, if there's something in you, you know. Whatever it is, something's pulling at you. Respond. Just the minute you get out of your chair, God's going to meet you. If there's anyone here, God is calling you. He's been calling you. Listen, when you stand before Him, it isn't going to matter what anybody thinks. And everyone in this room, most of us here, know what it's like to be in that place, don't we? (laughs) We're all wretches. (laughs) I could say like Paul, I was the worst of the worst, but God had mercy on me. So don't let pride, pride will damn your soul to hell. Humble yourself. And respond to Christ. Today. Today. Lord, I pray right now. Is anyone here? They don't know you. Don't let them go one more day without turning to you, repenting, and allowing you to come into their life and take control of their life. Lord, draw them now, I pray. Holy Spirit, draw them to you. Now's your time. Now's your time. You don't have tomorrow, you're not guaranteed tomorrow. Those of you who know Him, pray. Draw hearts right now, Lord. Draw hearts. Draw hearts, Lord. Is there anyone online? You're listening? Just get on your knees. Get on your knees. Repent. Just repent. Say, God, I need you. God, have mercy on me. I'm going to trust maybe there is someone listening or someone here. Lord, I just pray right now You would not leave those alone that don't know You. Any of you online? Anybody listening? Just repent. Just, you just tell God, Lord, I'm wrong. Lord, I, I'm a sinner. I know that. I've rebelled against You, Lord. I need, Forgive me, Lord. Jesus, cleanse me with Your blood. Please, Lord. I need what You did on the cross. Forgive me. Wash me. And Lord, because I'm understanding a little bit what You did for me, I want to give my life to You. I want to surrender to You. I want to give You control. Because You're not looking to just be Savior. You want to be Lord. So God, I give You my life. I give You control. Even though I don't understand what that looks like, I surrender. I surrender. I'm not going to fight you anymore. I'm going to follow you the rest of the days of my life. Does so anyone here? God bless you, sister. I'm going to pray for you. Lord, I pray right now that you would cleanse them. I pray that they would know the cleansing power of your blood. They would know the freedom, the liberty of having our sins washed away. The weight of them lifted off of us. Lord, I pray right now You would do that. Do that for my sister, Lord. And Lord, I pray You would fill her with the Holy Spirit. I pray You would fill her to overflowing. I pray You will baptize her with fire, Lord. I pray You will empower her to live the life You've called her to live. Lord, I pray, Lord, as she confesses You before men, You would confess her right now before the Father. Lord, we thank You and all those online, Lord. And I pray, Jesus, that Your will, Your plan would be done. That You will finish the work You have started, Lord. We thank You, God. We rejoice with these ones, Lord. We rejoice, Lord. We rejoice with all heaven, God. And Lord, we pray that You would use us, Lord. Those of us that know You, Lord. I pray as the days go by, we would grow more and more closer to You. And our roots would be deep down in You, Lord. That we would understand Your love, Your mercy. That we would prioritize our relationship with You. And we would yield our lives to you in a greater way, Lord, in the reality, Lord, that every day we want to live to its fullest for you, Lord. So anyone here, you know, we all get off track. We all get um, distracted. Just turn to God. Just trust He's going to help you. get your full. He does that with me all the time. And Lord, I'm believing that for all of us here, Lord, so that our lives can be used for your maximum glory. So we thank you, God, We thank You, Lord, for Your love. We thank You that You are long-suffering. We thank You, God, that You are the hound of heaven. So, God, just go with my brothers and sisters. Be with those that have responded to You, Lord. And those that haven't, Lord, God, just have mercy. Just continue to have Your hand upon them. Don't give them rest day or night, Lord. And grant them repentance, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Let's have a time of fellowship now. Let's enjoy it. Let's rejoice. Let's be thankful for the time we can have together now. Because who knows what's going to happen tomorrow, so we might as well enjoy our time together. Amen? All right. God bless you guys.